the Connecticut Sun have a fascinating season ahead. The man who's helped to build it, Darius Taylor, general manager, joining us. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi there, everybody, and welcome to Locked on Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, thanking you for making us your first listen every day. And again, thank you to the over 100,000 of you in April alone who made us your first listen every day, who understand that covering women's basketball six days a week, Monday through Friday on all things past, present, future, Saturday, the WNBA Draft Show. It matters. We're here for you. You've been here for us. And thank you. And of course, it is not just me. It is everyone over at thenexthoops.com. Over at The Next, we cover over 100 reported pieces on women's basketball every month. Make sure you're subscribing. It's normally $9 a month, $72 a year. We got a discount because the 27th WNBA season is coming up. Get 27% off. Subscribe and help all the good people who are doing the work. Jacqueline LeBlanc doing it, of course all the time for the Connecticut Sun, where she is a beat reporter. She has talked to you, Darius Taylor, about this team. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts of that in segment two. Segment one, though, we have to talk about your role as part of women's basketball's preeminent power couple. you think that's fair to say? Uh, you know, I don't know what you call it, but I'll, I'll take it. Joni Taylor, of course, the head coach at Texas A&M. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about this off the air before we got started here. But, you know, I'm just wondering whether I don't think that nationally they understand yet, based on who's coming in, that this is going to be an elite Texas A&M team in the Taylor household. Is there an understanding that, like, something special is clearly brewing here? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I think uh, when, you know, we made the decision as a family for her to take the job, I think she saw that the opportunities uh, that were in Texas, at Texas A&M, um, and obviously, you know, being able to take some of her recruiting class uh, that she recruited at Georgia to bring them here, along with the class her and her staff recruited uh, for this 2023 season. And then, I mean, they've, they've had some great success in the portal. You know, a lot of teams have had great success, but I think she got a lot of the her and our staff got a lot of pieces that they needed uh, in terms of filling holes that they had from last season. So I think it'll be an exciting season for her. I mean, on paper, they look really good. You still got to play the game. But I think her and her staff feel really good about some of the weapons uh, and the types of players they have and the style of play they want to play with. Well, congratulate her for India Rogers when you get a chance on my behalf. I but definitely will. The other part of that is just balancing work with family. And, you know, mm -hmm. as – as somebody who's married, I'm fascinated about this as well. I'm in a household where we both work, you know, and, and figuring out the ways to do it and balance it. You know, take me through kind of how those decisions are made, how you go about doing it and, you know, ways in which you're able to prioritize family at the same time as you both are doing these incredibly busy jobs. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard, you know, but I, I, I think it starts with the grace of God just giving us this opportunity and allowing us to have you know, parents that are retired that can help us a lot. And, you know, they both 
my my parents, her parents are retired educators, and uh, we trust them with our children in terms of helping them, uh, you know, learn and grow as, uh, you know, good, good children into young adults. And, um, you know, a lot of planning, a lot of communication. I think it helps that, you know, be, me being in a W and her in college, our seasons don't really uh, intertwine as much. You know, we're, we're backed up to each other, but we don't intertwine. And it also helps that, you know, I moved from coaching into more of a front office role, which allows me to be around more and, and just adds more to our balance, especially with her taking on a new new job here at Texas A&M, which, you know, when you hit the ground running on a new job, it's 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 nonstop. You know, it, you never seem like you have a day off. Uh, but a lot of planning, a lot of communication, a lot of looking at the calendars early um, and still trying to build in time for us, time for family. You know, I still try to, as much as possible, make, um, you know, my Friday dates with my girls, we have movie night. And if, you know, if I'm not going to be there on Friday, then we might move it to Wednesday. So today might be movie night for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just always try to keep those special moments. And, you know, our girls have been resilient and very understanding of our jobs. And always, you know, it helps for us to tell us how many sleeps you're going to miss. So how many sleeps before we see you again? Um, and then, I, like I said, our, our parents just do a tremendous job helping us out. They practically kind of live with us uh, and they just go home to check on their own home. Right. No, no. It, it, God bless the grandparents and the yeah. babysitting they provide. I can speak to that as well. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but I do need to know the best movie out of Taylor family movie night that you guys have seen in 2023. Huh, that's a tough one. I'll tell you one that's always on repeat. They, they love the, uh, the bad guys. That's like one of their favorite movies. They love the bad guys. And so we've, we've watched so many, but the bad guys always is their own VP. Can we watch bad guys again? I'm like, again? So I, I try to get them to watch new stuff. There's so much stuff on Disney Plus. So I just try to stretch their minds and, and just introduce them to some of the things I watched and Joni watched when we were little. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I applaud it. It's wonderful to see and your success both of your success has been something I've really taken. If you forgive a point of personal privilege, uh, a great deal of pleasure in seeing. So it's Thank wonderful. You. And, you know, but so you talk about moving into this role and, you know, for our audience and who may not know, you know, you have really done everything in this game. You have coached for, you, you know, on Dawn Staley's staff at the college level, you have coached on the pro level as well. And now, you know, to be in this GM role, you know, take me through what these first few months have been like. What have been sort of the biggest adjustments as you come to think about the game and, you know, what is a new way in a lot of ways? Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's been, uh, it's been challenging, but it's also been refreshing to, to be in a position where you're, you know, in your career, you always look for opportunities where it doesn't feel like work, but you also want to be challenged. And I think that's what this role is uh, for me, um, you know, I'm learning a lot every day, uh, but I, I think the biggest thing that helps me get over the top is, you know, I have mentors that I speak with. Uh, I have a really good relationship with our president, with our coaching staff. And and I, I think in some ways like a coach, but also, you know, as a, um, you know, in this role, you know, I know that the, the biggest thing is trying to prepare for the future, to, to sustain success. You have to be thinking about the future and looking at your roster and looking at, you know, paying attention to college, but also paying attention to the pro, you know, because they're free agents that, you know, will will identify that we feel like fit our style of play and fit the 
the grit of our our culture uh, at, at, in Connecticut. And so it's it's a heavy process, but it's one that I'm enjoying. Um, you know, some of the other things I'm learning more the analytics stuff. So, you know, they tell you all the time when you get in positions to hire hire people smarter than you. And so we've done a good job of trying to surround ourselves with with young up and coming minds that can help and, and think outside the box and think differently on how we should be approaching building our team and looking at the draft and looking at some of the analytics that will even help us, you know, our current team. It's fascinating, you know, the ways in which we're seeing front offices grow. And you've seen it just in the last, you know, half a decade in terms mm-hmm. of being able to have different additional people to lean on and the difference it makes in terms of a WNBA draft process. Do you feel as if there are just significantly more voices in general across front offices here in the WNBA? And do you think the processes have improved as a result of it? Uh, definitely. I, I think that, uh, you know, our game continues to grow and that with the growth comes opportunities. And so one, it's being ready for those opportunities, but helping people prepare for those opportunities. So I think, you know, as a league, we're doing a much better job of, of bringing, you know, younger talent into the fold and also expanding our, our front offices on the business side and on the basketball side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, some of the, you know, you look at all the teams and, you know, some of it I think has been uh, pushed by, you know, new ownership. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then again, it's just the, the growth of our game, the, the viewers, um, the, you know, the, just the media coverage, the exposure has all been big and, and helping create those opportunities. And just even beyond, you know, you talked about college, you talked about pros. What do you do to keep an eye on the international game as well? You know, obviously we're seeing uh, continued success from international players coming over, part of the draft, you know, even into the first round, teams are looking in that way. You know, what's your process for doing that? Because obviously it's a very difficult thing. It's tough to cover, yeah. you know, and being so many places at once. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, you know, as a staff, you kind of try to um, – divvy out responsibilities in terms of who's watching international, uh, you know, obviously, you know, checking the stats overseas, um, you know, using some of the, the resources that are out there, some of the uh, websites um, that, that, that keep statistics uh, for international as well as uh, uh, statistics in the U S. So then you, you know, you pull up players on synergy or whatever the uh, video that you use um, and you watch their games. And then, you know, with free agency, too, you get an opportunity to see some of these players live. When you, you know, I think that's going to be a thing now that when free agency comes, you'll see a lot of front offices kind of, you know, take off and go overseas until, you know, we figure out, you know, who's staying and who's going. So I, I think that, you know, this year a lot of teams went overseas. So there were a lot of big free agents. I also think this, this coming class is another big free agency class. So you could see, you know, but in general, I think it's important to see these international players um, as the game has grown over there as well. Um, so seeing them not only in competitions, but sometimes just going to see their their league games because you get to see, you know, sometimes, you know, your players or, you know, American players playing against international players and seeing how, you know, seeing just seeing them guard. Because I, I think a lot of times, you know, international competitions like the World Cup and like the Olympics, you know, there's a different set of a motiva- motivation for teams. You know, it's it's country, you know. So then when you get them in a different setting where they're playing, you know, games, you can really kind of get, you know, a good feel for how they would translate to the W. 
It's it's fascinating to see. And I, I want to get into in segment two some of the specifics of players you've brought in because mm-hmm. the fit there is a fascinating one in a number of different areas. First, do want to let the good people at home know about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is is the sponsor of this show, and it is bring brought to you today because BetterHelp gives you an opportunity to stop getting so caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. When you spend all your time giving, you can leave people feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. So look, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. So when we look at what this offseason has brought. Obviously, there's no shortage of changes, but the place where I think it is most interesting to me is the area of perimeter shooting and the ways in which you have taken a roster that, uh, frankly, was short on that last year. In a lot of ways, in the ways in which the Sun fell short of their goals, I feel like, can be directly tied to that. And you've added, and this is the place I want to start, Rebecca Allen. Now, just For our our viewers at home, I want to take you through when I was covering the New York Liberty in the old days when they were Madison Square Garden. I remember a Liberty front office person coming to me and saying, we've got this shooter. She has such a quick release. She gets her shot off all the time. When we get to bring her over, Rebecca Allen's going to be an absolute star in the WNBA. It hasn't happened for her yet. Let's just be real about it. She, She has not gotten that routine opportunity to get 30 minutes a game. She hasn't been able to put up the numbers that, um, frankly, I think she's capable of. My guess is, based on you acquiring her, you see that too. Take me through what you see in Rebecca Allen, what you think she can be for your team this year. Yeah, you know, I've watched Rebecca Allen for a long time, uh, even, when, uh, you know, when we were in, when I was in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, she's intriguing because of her size, because she's a deceptive athlete. Um, because she's a you know a good rebounding guard, um, and she's much better defensively than people think. But along with her offensive tool set of being able to, you know, shoot threes, she plays with great pace. Um, she also, uh, you know, she can post up smaller guards. So she brings some versatility that I think you need in this game to be able to to be versatile and, and be able to adjust and be adaptable to your opponents. People sleep on the, the shot blocking. She mm-hmm. is, especially for her size, an incredibly good shot blocker. You look at block percentage, and she's right up there with, you know, centers. And, and you know, does that give you the option of playing her more four than three? You, you know, obviously, Stephanie White's going to be the one who makes those lineups. But do you yeah. see her in that way? Do you bring her in with that in mind? Well, I think when we were putting this team together, we definitely, you know, like the – the versatility of our team, you know, being able to play, you know, DB, AT, um, Rebecca, uh, even um, 
you know, DJNA uh, some in, in different positions and then adding, you know, adding a Tiffany Hayes and adding a Ty Harris, you know, I, I think those are really good pieces uh, to, to help make our team better overall. When you think about AT, you know, you, it's hard to model for her because there's not a player who's really like her. I, I hear, you know, people talk about, you know, oh, the modern Candace Parker, and they make that comparison. They're so different from one another. They're obviously, you know, prototypical fours who are elite at passing. But mm-hmm. when when you built this team, how much were you building around what AT can do? And how much was it, well, you know AT can do these things, and mm-hmm. so you have the flexibility of building in a variety of different ways. I'm just wondering sort of how that thought process works for you. Yeah, I mean, I think it, when you look at AT, uh, you know, she's a unicorn, you know, what she can do defensively, you know, being able to guard almost one through five, you know, offensively, you know, despite, you know, everybody knows her shoulder issues, but still being effective, you know, to be able to, you know, run the point guard, to run up, push it on a break, to find the open player, to be unselfish, to be able to post up, um, and then and then still to be able to make shots that people don't think she can make. So she's very unique in that sense. And that's why it was important putting pieces around that fit in, not only her, but with also with Brianna Jones. She's pr- still one of the probably true back to the back posts. And I think obviously uh, this year you'll see her be able to do a little more offensively and, in in, you know, extending out her range and things like that. Uh, but I think, you know, building around those two, especially, uh, we had to get pieces that fit. And, you know, I think with AT, again, you got to have a guard that, you know, that is versatile, that doesn't have to always be the point because she's going to play the point a lot. So, you know, they got, they're got they going to have opportunities to get out and score and transition and, you know, space the floor and, and make open shots. And so players that fit that mold were important, you know, to try to acquire. And that's, that's what we went after this offseason. You talk about scoring in transition. Obviously, Tip Hayes, who uh, you, you touched on, is somebody who lives to do that, as as you well know from having coached her uh, yourself. But, you know, she's obviously been asked to carry such a heavy load for so many points in her career. Do you feel as if this is more of an ensemble piece as a team that allows her to you know, let's say play 25 minutes a game, yeah, but yeah, be yeah. able to go full force the way she always does, no matter what position you put her in. Yeah, I, I think definitely, definitely where she is in her career, you know, having depth will help her longevity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she can still be a, you know, a three level scorer in this league right. and she can still, you know, still has first team uh, all WNBA potential. You know, she she's capable on, on any night of doing that. Just not having to do that every night, I think, is important for her. And we have the type of team that she doesn't have to do that every night. We just need her to be solid and bring what bring what she brings to the table, both on the offensive and defensive end. It's interesting to me also that we saw the most efficient year of the three years Dewana Bonner has had in Connecticut last year, where she was being asked to do a little less, where instead of being the – uh, let's say the the preeminent perimeter scorer that you could use her in a role similar to what you saw when she was in Phoenix, similar to when she was let's say third option after uh, Diana and BG. Mm-hmm. Where do you see her fitting in 
to the offensive flow, you know, as it relates to this year. And, you know, certainly it, it's weird at, at some level, it feels like it was just yesterday she came in here, but, you know, what do you think in what is the last year of her contract, her opportunity is here for this particular Sun team? You know, again, I, I, I love DV's energy. Uh, you know, I think that her being able to come home, um, you know, obviously had, she had off season, uh, well, she had off season surgery. Right. And be able to rest her body, her coming in refreshed um, with just a new energy and her versatility, it, I think the sky's the limit. I mean, you watch her, you know, just in shooting drills because she's not doing live stuff. And 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 you could see, like, her rejuvenation and her still moving, uh, you know, like, like she hasn't been in the league for, I don't know, 13, 14 years now. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's going to be, you know, the coaching staff's task of, how they use her and where they use her. But I think you'll see her, you know, just in, in, in different positions. Again, with our versatility, I mean, you you can have Becca and, and, and DB, you know, on the floor as the twos and the threes. Like, how big is that lineup? You know, how, how versatile is that lineup? And so it's just – it gives the coaching staff, a, you know, tools to be able to play different ways that maybe teams aren't used to or don't want to match up with. I mean – Big, and then you just think of the length and then the wingspan of the people one through five in that lineup. It's yep. incredible. I, I, I just DB is 16th all time in win shares in the history of this league with two titles under her belt. I, I it's, it, she has a Hall of Fame resume already. It's mm-hmm. fascinating mm-hmm. to add to it. Well, before I let you go, I have to have to talk to you about Alexis Morris and just. You know, you spoke on draft night to our Jacqueline LeBlanc about you saw her as a first-round talent. Um, Angel Reese has been very vocal about that, calling her a first-rounder throughout our time covering her all year. Alexis is such a fascinating story to me and somebody who's been through so much. And she's she wears a heart on her sleeve when she talks to us, when she talks to everyone. Just take me through that evaluation process. And, you know, it's – not easy to make a, a WNBA roster no matter where you right. are. But right. where is she positioned when you look at this team and this roster coming into training camp for you guys? Yeah, well, you know, I've been watching Lex, you know, probably since he was playing AU. So I, I know of her capability and what, what she can do. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it is hard making a roster in this league, especially on a team that is playing with 11. Um, you know, so she's going to have to do every bit of her work to, to earn a spot. Um, you know, but like, like I said on draft night, I thought she was first round talent. I thought she was one of the most consistent point guards, uh, this season in college. Um, you know, it's just, it's all about the transition. I think the hardest transition for college players is I think in the post and the point guard position when you get to this level. And so, it's it's a learning process. It's a learning curve, and it's how fast you pick things up, and it's being able to do multiple things at one time, make multiple reads. You know, a lot of times, you know, in college, you kind of told like this is going to be there, so that's what you look for. Now with this game, it's you know players are playing, and you got to play off of them, and so it's you got to read more, uh, you know, just at a at a faster pace and make quick decisions, and so that's the thing she's 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 trying to pick up now. Um, and it'll take some time uh, for her to do that. And, you know, at the end of the day, we'll we'll see where the chips fall. But, you know, I, I think she's she's had good energy in practice. I think she's, you know, doing what she needs to do to learn and, and pick things up. 
And we'll just have to see towards the end of training camp where things land. I, I will. I, I'm curious how you feel about this. Just generally, there's a lot of times you'll hear people say, you know, oh, that player's draft stock went up. The player's draft stock went down. And and to me and, and in all these conversations, you know, general managers, you've generally watched the player since AAU. You know, right. how somebody does in a specific game is almost impossible to move the needle. You know who that player right. yeah. That said, six for six and 15 points in the fourth quarter of a championship game when that trophy's sitting right there. Does that, among very rare instances, change potentially the way you think about a player? If somebody does it in the spot where the chips are down? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you definitely consider it uh, with your evaluation. You know, you want to see who are who, who, who are closers, who are people that are not afraid of the big moment. Um, you know, there are obviously people that will deliver the pass. There are obviously people that will make the shot. I think she's one of those people that will make the shot. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a rare rarity. You know, a lot of people don't have that, that what we call kind of killer instinct or have that confidence to take that shot, you know, 10 out of 10 times. And I think she's one of those players that will. Obviously, she's not there yet because you know she's come to a new team where there's a new pecking order and there's veterans but you know i'm sure if they told her to take that shot she would take it so <laughs> no doubt about that yeah. that is for sure well darius taylor it is delightful to chat with you i wish you nothing but success this year both in terms of the sun and in terms of friday night movies uh, I know our listeners, thank you for being with us. I thank you to our listeners. As I said, more than 100,000 strong in April alone. We're going to go beat that in May. And we will be back with you tomorrow. The great Allison Clayman made a new movie about the New York Liberty called Unfinished Business will be with us. Thank you, as always. And to our listeners, we will be chatting with you tomorrow and every day. Until then, I am Howard Magdal wishing you a wonderful Wednesday. Welcome to You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball.